Well, if you haven't met me yet, I'm Pastor Norm, the lead pastor here at the Hope. It's good to have everybody here. We would have had a, a pretty full house today if the, all those people hadn't gone camping. So if you're out there camping and watching this on the live stream, I hope you have a really good time. And we'll see you next week, hopefully. Let's, uh, I'd like to start with prayer and then I'll jump into this. Father God, again, we just are humbled, Lord, to be here in your presence. And as those songs portrayed, Lord, you are a holy God and we want your glory to come down on this place today. Lord, fill us afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit. If there's anybody here that needs you, Lord, that needs more of you, that needs a, a breakthrough in their life, Lord, we pray, let it be so in Jesus' name. Lord, for those who need miracles of healing, Lord, we just ask right now, just minister to them as only you can. And Lord, again, we just ask that you would take this message today and just superimpose it over us, Lord. Help it to be a part of who we are. Lord, help us and to understand the idea of being teachable. Lord, we just ask this all in your precious name. And as the pastor here, I just give you this message. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. When I was a kid, my dad used to say, Curiosity killed the cat. Anybody else ever hear that? <laughs> and by the way, Pastor uh, Roger, right at the end there, he said something about lock, stock, and barrel. For those of you, in that day, Tim, because that was a flintlock. So apparently, you know, he's really old. <laughs> but some of these, these catchphrases we throw around, they've been around a long time. And uh, for you younger people, you might not have understood what that was. Curiosity killed the cat. And honestly, when I was a, a young boy, I didn't understand what that meant. I had no clue. But you know what? As I aged, I got it. I got it. We need to be careful how inquisitive we become. Or that curiosity may, may exceed safe boundaries. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you were a kid, did you ever think, you know, I should put on a pair of wings and just... Some of, some of you probably did that, didn't you? Yeah. I don't know. Anybody have an inkling to do that? A couple of you. <laughs> you daredevils. I don't know why it's a devil. Barring something dangerous... I believe it's important that we humans, those of us who are created in God's image, that we remain curious. We should always be learning, never, never arriving completely, remaining teachable even into our old age. You know, as I think about the folks that I know and have known, the ones that I liked hanging out with the most were the ones that were still curious at their older age because they were still learning. A great question to ask then would be this. What does God want to teach me today? What does God want to teach me today? 
And if you ask that question and you're sincere when you ask it, hang on. He might teach you something about yourself that you didn't know or maybe you didn't want to know. But yet it's still important for you to know that. Or he might just show you some really cool thing that's going on in your life that you didn't even realize was there. So we need to be open to God's world. Be curious. Remain curious. Just think of the amazing universe that's around us. And, and I, I, when I was pondering this thought, I, I went to a bat. And if you don't know this, bats use what's called echolocation. They emit this high-pitched little noise. And when I go fishing, and my hearing is way worse than it was when I was little, but when I go fishing and it just starts to get dark, I can hear it just a little bit. They're right overhead and they're flying right past me and it, it's, I'm not going to try to duplicate it because it wouldn't work anyway. But these bats, they, they actually see, if, if I can use that term, they see the bug that's in front of them as their little voice hits them and reflects back. That's pretty cool. So, That's right. Thank you. Amen. Our Navy uses this technology, only they call it what? Sonar. Sonar. Same thing, just a, a little different application in order to find their prey, or I don't mean prey, I mean uh, other submarines that might be below them or whatever. What God has put out there is pretty amazing. And he wants us to be curious about it. If somebody hadn't been curious, they might not have invented the microwave. Ooh. What would we do without that? The toothbrush. Toilet paper. How many can say amen to that? We'd still be using leaves. Hmm. The automobile. Some really helpful things like Braille. I mean, how cool is that for somebody that can't see to be able to read a book? Or the airplane, you know, to be able to fly long distance in a quick amount of time, speedy amount of time. Where am I going with this? In an enrichment article that I recently read, it was called Teachability, Teachability Stumbling Blocks, Eight Ways Leaders Get Tripped Up in Their Growth by Stephen Blandino. He made the point that there were eight things that leaders do that can cause them to stop being teachable. What I want to do today, I want to use seven of his lists, seven of his bullet points, and I want to share them with you, not as so much a leader, but as a human being one of God's kids. And as I do this, I kind of change the title a little bit. And I'm calling it this. Porous or petrified? Not now, this, you, you get it? The screen behind it? Porous or petrified? Porous would be something like a sponge. Petrified would be something that's hardened over time. I think it's a pretty good illustration. It fits well. 
So here are some obstacles to remaining porous or teachable, even into your old age. You ready for this? Poke your neighbor and ask them, are you ready? Are you ready for this? Number one, we all love this one, pride. Is it all right to have pride? Sure it is. You know, we should have pride in our work. There's nothing wrong with that. It becomes an issue when you become what? Unteachable. That's the whole point of today's message. Pride is a person who is no longer teachable. What does the scripture say about this? There's more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. Ouch. So, if you want fools to be ranked higher than you, hang on to that pride. What's the opposite of pride? Humility. Being humble. Any scriptures talk about that? Proverbs 22.4. True humility and fear of the Lord lead to what? Riches, honor, and long life. Man. We ought to hang on to that one. You see, a a humble person is somebody that that doesn't allow their age to prevent them from receiving from someone who's younger. One of the problems with this generation is that we have stopped listening to one another. Because we're all that. And on the other end, they're saying... Well, you guys are just a bunch of idiots anyway. And the kids are seeing the pride in us, and they're saying, you're just a fool. They're scriptural. Hello? Don't be that person. Don't be that way. Don't allow pride to overtake you. A humble person is porous. A prideful person is petrified. Are you with me? Number two, your past. Anybody have a past? It's done, come and gone, hasn't it? This is where the person always relies on his or her past success. Well, I remember the day back in the 70s. Really? That's where you're going to go? Times have changed. Methods and means have also changed. As Stephen Blandino said, if we aren't careful, we can turn yesterday's success into an idol and allow the past to rob the future of its potential. Let me say that again. If we aren't careful, we can turn yesterday's success into an idol and allow the past to rob the future of its potential. How many are born again? All right, good. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this means what? Read it with me. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. What's that mean? The, The way you used to do things is the past. 
As a Christian, we do things differently. Or at least we should. Right? Don't let the past be your idol. Another one that I wanted to bring into this was the, the part about new wineskins and old wineskins. If you use an old wineskin with new wine, what happens? They burst, right? So what should we do then with this new wine that God's pouring into us? And this is a metaphor, right? I'm not talking about actually pouring wine into you. We have to put it into new vessels. Vessels that are sanctified every day anew. What God's doing in us today is different than what he was doing in us yesterday. Every day is a new day with the Lord. And we can't hang our hat on that past victory, that trophy, whatever it was in the past. That can't be us. You could be represented by your past, but it shouldn't be all that you live for. There's so much more to this life, and, and we've got to be new thinkers, fresh thinkers, if we're going to reach this generation for the Lord. And I believe that's what he wants us to do, is to reach this generation. So the question, what anchor in your past is keeping you from learning new things, experiencing new ideas? What have you made an idol? All right? Number three, and this one's not that it's, it's important. All right? Out of all the rest of them, this one to me is probably the most important. People. Look next to you. Who's sitting in here today? People. Who comes to church? People. It's not about the crickets that are along the walls. The field mice that try to come in every now and then. Although they're God's creatures, they aren't the important thing. You are. People. Why? I already said it. I started with it. We are created in the image of God. And He has put His Spirit in us. People are important. There's no other critter on the earth that has the status that we do, that can communicate with God and with each other as we do. That was intentional, by the way. Andy Stanley said this, and I've got it up behind me. If you are surrounded long enough by people who think like you think, you will become more and more certain that's the best way to think. Does that make sense? If, if we don't expand our horizon and hang out with people that are different than us, then we're going we're gonna to get boxed in. And other people, other cultures, other ways of living are going to seem contrary to the way we live. And are they? Are other cultures wrong? No. 
To us, they just don't fit because we don't live that way. But what if we tried to get to know somebody that wasn't exactly like us? What if we were intentional and and we actually went and looked for a friend that thought different than we think? Maybe even an unborn Christian. Catch that? (laughs) Hopefully someday they'll be born again. What if we started thinking about other people besides ourselves? When I read this, there's a word that comes to my mind. Narrow-minded. Hear this. To be the church, we must embrace new people. Plus, if you're always hanging out with the same old people, You'll never learn anything new. Think about Jesus just for a minute. Who do you hang out with? He could have hung out with just the religious people. After all, he was God. I think he kind of had an affinity toward religious things. He could have just hung out with his family. He had a good family. But he chose, he chose to hang out with the sinners. Remember Zacchaeus? (laughs) I love this. This this guy, this this man. The Bible says he was short, shorter than most. Didn't matter to Jesus. And he decided he was going to climb a tree to get a better view. (laughs) How many of us would go out of the way to be with Jesus? Yeah? He went out of his way. And what did God do? What did Jesus do? Hey, hey, Zacchaeus, quick, climb down that tree, man. I want you to make dinner for me. Jesus is pretty bold. (laughs) I'm inviting myself over for dinner. How many would let Jesus in, though? Yeah, yeah. This is how he lived He got to know new people and he allowed them to get to know him. In his case, he already knew them, but in our case, it has to go both ways, right? It's not a one-way street. So here's a suggestion. Expand your horizons and find ways to hang out with people that you don't know that well. Take somebody to lunch. Pastor Rogers always tooting that horn afterwards. You know, what are you doing after service? Grab somebody you don't, you don't know and take them to lunch. And here's something I added to that. Let them do the talking. In other words, keep, keep quiet. 
I mean, it's okay to interject, but my goodness, you know, sometimes we, we, we just think people want to hear our voice. You can't get to know somebody else if you're doing all the talking. They already know how awesome you are. Find out how awesome they are. And if we all do that, it's either going to be really quiet, because neither one's going to want to talk, or that other person's going to get a word in edgewise, and they're going to tell their story. And you're going to be better for it. Break out of your cliques and your tight little groups and grow your friends. And, and I'm saying that directly to our church people. You know, I noticed quite a few new people here this morning. And, and I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just saying, think bigger. There are people in this room today that you don't know. Go to them afterwards and say, hey, my name is and then let them speak. Cross the age gap barrier. Hear this. Our young people need to hear from us. This, this silvery gray hair, the Bible says it's wisdom. It's a cover of wisdom. You've earned it. So show that young person your wisdom. Does that mean you do all the talking? <laughs> no. And young person, this is both ways. You can go to some older people and say, hey, my name is. Who are you? Tell me about yourself. Poorest people make and get to know new friends. You still with me? Number four, the professional. You know where I'm going with this? There's another term I'd use, and that might be expert. Anybody know an expert? What is an expert? An expert has done that, been there, and bought the T-shirt. People typically don't like hanging out with the expert. Why? Because they are? Maybe you know one. <laughs> uh, unless you want to hang out with the know-it-all when your air conditioning breaks and that expert knows or that professional knows all about air conditioning. Then you want to hang out with that person. But generally speaking, nobody likes a know-it-all. And by the way, my experience, they like to hear their own voice. And I, I often, I've been known to watch <clears throat> Big Bang Theory. And there's a character on there, Sheldon. That dude, he thinks he is God's gift even though he doesn't believe in God. Well, he says he doesn't. But he likes to hear his own voice. And he thinks he knows everything. My suggestion, my advice to anybody like this, 
Get over yourself. My goodness. It's natural for people to want to be heard. And this is something all of us, especially the church, needs to understand. Everybody wants to be heard. What does that mean? They want somebody to listen. Hear their perspective on life, what they've been through. And this requires something from us that we often don't have, and that is listening skills. You know, listening is an art. It really is. And too few of us do it. Maybe you've got a good friend that knows how to listen. And this is my advice. Learn to listen to others. Don't be so quick to jump into the conversation and start giving them your perspective, your wisdom. Listen to them for a minute. Or two or ten. You'll find that you have more true friends when you do this. Plus, (laughs) you might unlearn some of the nonsense that you think you already know. Over the years, I've realized how much nonsense I thought I knew. Somebody said, the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. You know who said that? Somebody that it said he had an IQ of 160. <laughs> I think I mis- did I misspell that. I did. Oops. It's not Einstein. Einstein said this. Anybody in here have a, an IQ of 160? No. So what does that tell us? Don't be a know-it-all. You still with me? A couple more. This next one, I, 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 I was not sure about it at first. This is where the person has lost his or her curiosity for life. You resign to the same old drudgery of yesteryear, (laughs) feeling there's nothing new or nothing exciting to discover. It's okay to get familiar with your surroundings. How many have been married more than 30 years? 40? 45? I'm, I'm almost there. 50? Goodness. How many years? 50. Congratulations. Bill. 50. God bless you guys. All right, I'm going to put you, I'm going to throw you two under the bus. You, you don't have to speak, but as you get familiar with your wives. Do you see things that are new? 
and fresh as you age? Or is it still the same way it was 50 years ago? It's new. Same? And I think the, the key, and, and this is my perception, again, I'm, I'm nipping at the heels with you guys. I'm five years behind you. But I think of my relationship with Pastor Barb, and I think, man, I get up some mornings, and hey, I was gone all last week, all right? I was, I was in school uh, Monday through Friday, so I was in Grand Rapids. And by the second day, I got up, I prayed for her, and it hit me. Oh, I miss the daylights out of her. And, and I realized how blessed I was. And I just, I almost started crying. I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, I am a blessed man. I love this woman. She brings new stuff in all the time. She's not the same girl I met 51 years ago. She's completely different. But you have to be looking for that stuff. If you go into your relationship like this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get boring. And you're going to miss a lot of the beautiful things that are happening right in front of you. And, and you younger people that are maybe 8, 10 years, listen, it may, it, it may seem like, ah, oh, here we go again. But it's what you put in it. You'll get out of it. What you, isn't that what you said this morning? It's what you put in it. You want excitement? Put some in it. You men, stop being old fuddy-duddies. You young men, stop being old fuddy-duddies. I don't even know what that means. My dad used to use that word too. Here we go. Do something new. Do something fresh. Something outside of the norm. No pun intended. Listen to this. Nothing to do with marriage now. One of the leading factors, at least as they've studied this out, science, when a person stops learning, if, if you get into a learning rut, this is one of the key factors of getting Alzheimer's or one of those type diseases. To combat this, this is what they recommend, that a person take up a language or a new hobby. How many have ever painted or done wood carving? Something different. You know, I mean, we all know about golf and fishing. Do something different with your life. And that, that forces your brain to to channel new grooves or ruts. I don't know how that works. I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, obviously. But it helps to keep your memory intact. Challenges, when you get, give it new challenges, the brain grows and has better mental health. I think that's pretty cool. Plus, when you do some of these activities, you're going to be hanging out with people you didn't already know. 
right? So that's a big plus. Here's another quote. Growth requires daily intentionality. If you lose your passion and curiosity, you'll eventually arrive on a permanent plateau. I don't know about you, but I want to get off the plateau if I'm on it. Number six, price. Everything we do, except for breathing, maybe, costs us something. Everything, right? And as I see it, and this is me, if something is worth doing it, then it's worth the cost. Right? Now don't hear what I'm not saying. What am I not saying? I'm not saying just dive into something without thinking about it just because it's a new thing. In fact, Scripture says the opposite. If you're about to do something new, what are you going to do? You're going to count the cost. Make sure that you can afford to do that thing. Make sure that you have the funds, the resources, and the time. Right? Be smart about it. Don't mortgage your house, sell your firstborn son, or give up your marriage to go do something new. In the same breath, don't let cost prevent you from achieving your God-given dreams or visions. My own personal story Back in 2002, I graduated with my undergrad degree. And I really wanted to go on. And I could say this with all honesty, I wish the older Norman would have smacked the younger Norman in the head back then and said, dude, don't, don't count the cost like that. Just do it. But I didn't. And it's water under the bridge. That said, let me say it's never too late to improve. And I can say that with all honesty because I'm living proof. And I, I get ridiculed sometimes. Yes, I'm the oldest student at North Point right now. I'm older than my professors, most of them. That's okay. I feel like I'm doing what God challenged me to do. And I believe that I'm a better person for it. I really do. I, I, this last two years has been amazing. And I've got uh, less than a year to go. I hope to graduate next May or June. You have to count the cost, though. And it's not just a money thing. It, it's also time. Because as I, when I started this program, I knew it was going to, I have to study, all right? There are weeks on end where that's all I do is read. Who suffers? My family. You know, and I had to ask my wife, are you willing? This is almost three years that you're going to have to give up a lot of time with me where we can't go do some of the things we used to do so that I can finish this degree program. And she said, yeah, I'll support you. And she does. She prays for me. She doesn't give me a lot of guff. Maybe a little guff sometimes. 
And you know what I try to do, and I'm just throwing this out as extra here, but what I try to do is just be aware. When you get busy, when you're doing something that you know God's called you to do and, and it's consuming all of your time, at least try to keep your finger on the pulse of your family. Men, ladies, because sometimes you know just from a little look that they need some time with you. And just stop what you're doing and, and take a couple hours. What, where do we go? <laughs> you're going to laugh. Myers. <laughs> Sam's, if we can get that far away. Costco. Just to hold each other's hand, look at some stuff, come home with way more groceries than we ever needed. <laughs> you have to count the costs. Blandino put it this way, there's a price to remaining teachable. The question is, are you, and I added, your, are, is your family willing to pay it? Things that you have to consider. One more. Perspective. One of the greatest teachers in this life is failure. Anybody ever failed? Anybody ever fail more than once? You know, if, if failure is your middle name, it can be over, overwhelming. It can be. I hope that's not you. But if it is you, I have good news for you. Because that was me back when I was 23. Man, everything I did, I did wrong. My life was, was just one thing after another thing after another thing. And then I did something right. <laughs> you know where I'm going, don't you? Hallelujah. I said, Jesus! This is Norm here. Got a question. Can you help me? I need you. And you know what? He met me right there. How cool was that? He met me right there. He said, Norman, I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> Come on, son. If I got a plan for you, and my life changed. Failure only teaches us when we have the proper perspective. And in my case, at that point in my life, I had God's perspective. Newly, but I had God's perspective. And he showed me that my old life, even though it was hard to go through, and I did a lot of things wrong, he showed me how a lot of those things developed me into the person that I was. I cared about people. I always helped the underdog. I tried to be honest. That worked a lot better, by the way, after I got to know Jesus. One must be willing to pay attention to what's gone wrong in your life and what needs to change 
so that you can benefit from that failure. Another point, failure requires that we don't give up. Anybody like Kentucky Fried Chicken? As I understand it, when he was developing the recipe, he had 1,009 recipes that did not hold up. The 1,010th was the winning recipe that they still use today. How cool is that? This guy you might remember too, Thomas Edison. He invited, invented, I'm sorry, a little thing, I think we call it the light bulb. He said, I have not failed as he developed it. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Smart man. Perspective. When you have the right perspective, which in my opinion is God's perspective, because that's the only perspective that will really set you free. When you have that, you have everything. I admit that when I was younger, I made many of the same mistakes over and over and over. But with age, I recognize that doing something right is a lot less painful. And now I work at that. (laughs) I don't like pain as much as I did when I was a kid. And as a result, and what I strive for is this, to produce or allow God, the Holy Spirit, to produce in me these fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And that last one, I have way more of that today than I did when I was 20. Self-control. And again, I think it's because I don't like pain. You know what I'm saying here? Does that make sense to anybody else besides me? I'll finish with this. When I think of somebody in the Bible that failed a lot, I always, and I don't know why, I always think of poor Peter. (laughs) Peter, hate to tell you this, son, but you're going to fail me tonight. Why, Lord, I'd give my very life for you. My paraphrase. What did Jesus say? Luke, Luke 22, he said, Peter, before this night's over, three times you're going to hear, No, I said it wrong, didn't I? When you hear, you will have denied me three times. How's that? There we go. It's been a long week. Did Peter's life end there after that third time? After Jesus rose from the dead, and he did. Woo-hoo! 
He didn't stay in the grave. Grave couldn't hold him. He met the, the boys, his disciples. He met them at breakfast one morning. and He had a little talk with Peter. And three times, you, you know the story, right? Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, Lord, you know, you, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, you love me? Lord, really? You just asked for that. Yeah. Feed my lambs. <laughs> Peter, you love me. Lord, you know everything. Why are you asking me all these things? Feed my sheep. I think Peter got it. He denied him three times. And Jesus was emphasizing three times. Don't ever give up again. Keep going forward. Don't plateau. Keep looking for what God's doing in your life. Because I'm doing a new thing. And I need you to be all in and I need you to be curious and I'm going to use you in the miraculous. And the church was born. Are you porous or petrified? Would you stand with me? How many want to be a sponge? Now, in our terminology today, that could be a bad thing, but this is a good way, all right? Not somebody that leeches off of everybody else. I don't mean it like that. You want to be teachable. And mainly, mainly from God. Listen, when we think we've bet, I read the Bible once. What is that? Really? Go back, read it again, and again, and again. God wants to do a new thing in us. Are you teachable? And here's the good news. If you're the other guy or gal, if your heart's hard, if you aren't teachable any longer, if you repent, God will soften your heart again where you can receive from Him and others. It's just a matter of turning your life around and giving it to Him afresh and anew. So it's not too late. It's not hopeless. I don't care how old you are. Just ask Him. Heads bowed. How many here today say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I might fall into that petrified category and I, I just want you to pray with me today that's you would you just lift your hand up so I can see it all right anybody else yep others cool thank you how many here want to be more porous now before you raise your hand <laughs> you know what that means when you ask God this right you know what it means you better be ready for it 
It's like, it's like last week, and I was telling somebody this earlier, when I, that 40-hour intensive, two professors each had 20 hours, and they poured into us, and it was like somebody opened a fire hose, and you're trying to drink it. That's what God can do and does do often if we give him permission. <laughs> and that's when we just go, wow, man, this is cool. Lord, fill us. If that's you, lift your hands up, both of them, like a funnel. <laughs> and just say, fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. And I have up there, ask the Lord each morning the simple question. Lord, what do you want to teach me today? And if we're open to this, man, we will look so different. We will smell new, look new, and we will be new. Because we got God the Holy Spirit working in us. And we've given him permission to change us any way he sees fit. Father, we thank you again for everything you're doing in this church. And Lord, I pray that we would be a porous people, a people that, that want to soak in all that you have for us, all that our, our friends and family, Lord, this church has for us. Help us to be intentional in our daily living. Help us to cross the boundaries of young and old, to make new friends, to reach outside of our own little sphere and, and, and get into some communities that maybe we don't even know anything about them. Challenge us, Lord, and then use us. You are the potter, we are the clay. Use us to, to minister, Lord, to the lost, to the unchurched, the unborn, <laughs> so that they'll become born again. Lord, we love you, and as your people, we just ask you to just bless this church today. And help us, Lord, to be more like you. May you increase, may we decrease. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Don't forget, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, day camp for kids. Oh, I almost forgot. We're having a picnic right after 4th of July Sunday. So if you haven't already stuck something in there, mark your calendar. We're just going to have games, fellowship. Church is going to provide the meat. Uh, and we'll get to know each other. How's that? Love you. Be blessed.